his own. His itchy fingers were not on the nuclear trigger. Kim, in contrast, already presides over an arsenal that U.S. intelligence agencies believe contains as many as 60 nuclear warheads. Some uncertainty still exists about whether North Korea can successfully mount those weapons on a missile capable of hitting the continental United States. But history cautions against wishful thinking. The window of opportunity for a successful U.S. attack to stop the North Korean nuclear program has closed. At the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis, both the American and the Soviet nuclear war plans were heavily geared toward preemption. Each country's system featured a built-in option to launch nuclear weapons if officials believed that an enemy attack was imminent and unavoidable. This produced a danger that the strategist Thomas Schelling called the reciprocal fear of surprise attack. That fear was why Khrushchev was so alarmed when a U.S. U-2 spy plane accidentally flew into Soviet airspace during the crisis. As he wrote to U.S. President John F. Kennedy on the final day of the crisis, Is it not a fact that an intruding American plane could be easily taken for a nuclear bomber which might push us to a fateful step? Today, the world faces an even more complex and dangerous problem, a three-way fear of surprise attack. North Korea, South Korea, and the United States are all poised to launch preemptive strikes. In such an unstable situation, the risk that an accident, a false warning, or a misperceived military exercise could lead to war is alarmingly high. Another factor that makes today's situation more dangerous than the Cuban Missile Crisis is the leaders involved. In 1962, the standoff included one volatile leader, Castro, who held radical misperceptions of the consequences of a nuclear war and surrounded himself with yes-men. Today, there are two such unpredictable and ill-informed leaders, Kim and Trump. Both men are rational and ruthless, Yet both are also prone to lash out impulsively at perceived enemies, a tendency that can lead to reckless rhetoric and behavior. This danger is compounded because their senior advisors are in a poor position to speak truth to power. Kim clearly tolerates no dissent. He has reportedly executed family members and rivals for offering insufficiently enthusiastic praise. For his part, Trump often ignores, ridicules, or fires those who disagree with him. In May, the New York Times reported that Trump had described his national security advisor, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, as a pain for subtly correcting him when he made inaccurate points in meetings. And in June, the spectacle of U.S. Department secretaries falling over themselves to declare their deep devotion to Trump and flatter him on live television during the administration's first full cabinet meeting brought to mind the dysfunctional decision-making in dictatorships. Any leader who disdains expertise and demands submission and total loyalty from his advisors, whether in a democracy or in a dictatorship, will not receive candid assessments of alternative courses of action during a crisis. Tone DEFCON Trump's poor decision-making process highlights another disturbing contrast with the Cuban Missile Crisis. In 1962, strong civilian leaders countered the U.S. military's dangerously hawkish instincts. When the Joint Chiefs of Staff recommended an immediate airstrike and an invasion of Cuba, 
Kennedy insisted on the more prudent option of a naval blockade. Together with his subsequent refusal to retaliate with an airstrike after an American U-2 spy plane was shot down over Cuba, Kennedy's approach reflected the best kind of cautious crisis management. Now, however, it is the senior political leadership in the United States that has made reckless threats, and it has fallen to Secretary of Defense James Mattis, a former general, and senior military officers to serve as the voices of prudence. In early August, Trump warned, North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. By appearing to commit to using nuclear forces in response to North Korean threats, he broke sharply with U.S. deterrence policy, which had previously warned of military responses only to acts of aggression. Vice President Mike Pence.